morning, everyone. Wow, it's awesome to be in India. I, uh, man, I'm glad to be here for the second service. I preached myself happy in the first one. So uh, I'm really excited. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence uh, here with us, God. What a privilege to be your children. God, what an honor. God, thank you for your love uh, demonstrated towards us on the cross, Lord. Thank you for your passion to be intimate with us and one with us, Lord. And God, I ask for your great grace to be upon us this morning, that that you would open our hearts and minds to your word, that you would uh, cause every single person in this room to uh, encounter your love in a deeper way, Lord. Would you set our hearts on fire, Lord, for you and for this world? God, we love you. We give you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, Well, it is an honor to be here with you. Um, Like Scott said, my heart's uh, an evangelist. Uh, I live in Dallas, Texas with my lovely wife and four children. Uh, Always gets a laugh, every time. I mean, you don't think a 20-year-old can have four children, but I do. Um, and, And it's amazing, and they're a gift from God, and I'm 33, I'm just kidding. Um... And, and being a dad and a husband is just a, a great joy of mine uh, and getting to do things like this and go around the world. And uh, I, tell, I like to say that I am a child of God, learning to be a man of God so that people know the Son of God. And that's my prayer for you this morning is that wherever you're at in your journey with the Lord, that you somehow get provoked to grow up in God so that the world can know the Son of God through your life. Um, and I, I, that to me, I, I'm a simple person. I, I grew up in the church, and so uh, for me, the gospel, you'll hear me talk a lot about the gospel, um, but for me growing up, the gospel was uh, just, it was amazing, but it, it didn't produce uh, in the hearts of the people uh, what I read about in my Bible. Anyone uh, been frustrated by that tension? Between what you see, what you read in the Bible, you see uh, the life of Jesus, you see power, you see dominion, you see authority over the works of the devil, and then you look at the followers of Jesus, the, the, the guys that are mere men and women just like us, and all of a sudden their life looked exactly like Jesus. In the early church, you know, I I say one of the early church problems, which is amazing to me, you know, we have many problems today in our churches. Uh, One of their problems was they were often mistaken for as gods. That was an issue that the early church had to face. I'm sure they were, you know, sit around over coffee or tea and discuss, man, what do we do? God's moving so powerfully that people, these, these people who are lost, they think we're gods, and, um, and, and, and I like to laugh about that, but, it, but to me it illustrates a powerful truth about the heart of God and about the gospel, and, and that is that God desires for each and every one of our lives to manifest the mature life of Christ. And in Ephesians 4, you read about the fivefold ministry of the church. You read about the leadership of the church. And... And the leadership of the church actually are uh, this that I'm doing here in, in, in this place from this pulpit. This, this is not it. This isn't, um, this isn't God's uh, solution for humanity. You understand that? that? The world will not be saved through guys like me. My, my role, I have given myself to Christ as a leader in the church to grow you up into Christ. To equip you for the works of ministry until you reach the fullness of Him. 
until, until your life actually looks like Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And so our role, our, my purpose, my hope this morning is to equip you to actually look like Jesus Christ and to give you understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, by wisdom a house is built, but by understanding that house is established. And I believe in the body of Christ, it, there, there is wonderful foundation, it's been built, but we have not been established in the world any longer as a force and dominion on the earth. And God's doing wonderful things through the body of Christ, but I'm telling you, there's more for us. Amen? Amen. I want to see the nations of the earth come to him. This is his inheritance. This is is why he died. And uh, uh, if it's okay, I want to remind you this morning uh, of the gospel. Can I do that? Is that okay? Some of you, maybe you've never heard it. Uh, It'll be for the first time. Um, and that'll be wonderful too, but, um, I'll share this story before my wife and I had kids. I was on a train. Uh, I used to ride the train into, into my work and we had no kids and it was a, a source of tension for us. And this, this man, uh, on the train, he, he just engaged me out of nowhere and he says, do you have children? I said, no, not yet. And he says, well, don't worry. It's a promise of God. And I, and he, and I said, well, where? And he said, he says in Ephesians 5, the Bible says this, it says that that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And he said that one flesh is a child. And And I stopped and I thought about it for a second and it was like my eyes were open, just because I'd always read that, that scripture and thought it was just talking about a spiritual union between a man and a woman. And I do believe it speaks of a spiritual union. But the Bible says that a man shall be joined to his father, uh, uh, shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And those two individuals in Christ will become one flesh. And if you think about a child, my firstborn, her name is Faith. She is quite literally one flesh of my wife and I. And the Bible says this, he says, it's a profound mystery, and this refers to Christ and the church. And so to me, the gospel is so simple. It's so so near and dear to something that we all know and live around. It's, It's God saying, I love you so much. I love you so much. I'm so passionate to be intimate with you, to be one with you. Does Does the Bible not teach that the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Does it not teach that? Is the, 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 the mystery, the big aha of the gospel, what's the gospel? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? And so God says here, in, in his infinite wisdom, he makes it so simple through intimacy, through this covenant table, and that's where I'm going uh, to start uh, this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to start at the covenant table, but through this moment where, where we make covenant with God. For those of you who are in Christ, you, you made covenant with God around that table. We took communion, and we said, hey, I'm going to eat the bread of Jesus, and I'm going I'm to eat his flesh, and I'm going to drink his blood. And through that act of intimacy, we get born of God by the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's the picture of Mary. I think Mary is, is, to me, she's the first picture of a Christian in the New Testament. The angel comes with good tidings, with good news. He comes with the gospel, and he says, the Holy Spirit will actually overshadow you and put God inside of you. And then in the course of time, God's going to begin to grow up inside of you, Christ in you, and then he's going to be birthed through you, and he's going to live his life having been birthed through you. Is that not amazing? 
And so for all of us, the same way, God says, hey, come to me around this covenant table. Come, come meet me at this table. And what I want to do is I want to so cleanse you. I want to so make your womb spiritually clean again. I want to make you spiritually a virgin in your womb, no longer defiled by sin, no longer defiled by the fall of man, but primed and ready to receive the seed of heaven, the Holy Spirit, inside your spiritual womb. And in that place, you, you say, okay, Christ, you can come and have your way in me, and you can come and live your life through me. And as you, as you learn this process and you learn to, to surrender to God and walk with God by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, he's birthed through you and, and you begin to see the fruits of the early church, which is the power of God. And that's my heart for you. That's my heart for India and for the church in India is that your life would look like Christ, that you wouldn't have to try to be a Christian, you would just be You would just wake up, thank you, God, I've been born of you, I'm a partaker of the divine nature, I've been born not of the will of man or of the will of flesh, but I've been born of you, God, and so thank you this morning, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to you in every way, God. God, I thank you that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but you, Jesus, live through me, and so God, I yield to you today in humility and in brokenness, God, and I say, use this this jar of clay to manifest your glory wherever I'm going today, in Jesus' name. And you would begin to pray like that. And, and, and I'll tell you, I've, as these last 10 years, I've really pressed into the gospel. I've wanted to know the gospel and study the gospel because if the gospel is the power of God to save all who believe, then I want to know it and I want to live it and I want to demonstrate it. And I said this in the first service. I said, man, I really don't think there are hard places. And I know, I hear my heart, but I, I actually think the gospel is the power of God. Like, there's no, there's no place that's too hard for the power of God. There's no, there's no demons that are too strong for the power of God. And the gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is manifest in a human body from faith to faith. And so, as we, as we jump into the word, you can turn to uh, Matthew 11. If you have your Bibles, so if you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, you see him doing many things. In Matthew 11, uh, John comes to him and he says, hey, he goes, are you the one to come? Are you the Messiah? He's in prison. He's about to get his head chopped off. And, and John the Baptist is getting kind of this tense moment. And he's like, Jesus, are you the one? Are you going to set me free from prison? What's the deal? And, and Jesus replies and he says, go and tell John that, that this He says, tell them what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And so here, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see him healing the sick and casting out devils and raising the dead. And and I want to tell you that whatever you do, you could have a business, you could be a student, you can be a mother. Whatever you do, though, Christ wants to so grow up in you that your life literally looks like the life that you read about in the Gospels. Amen? Amen. As I've learned to accept this and believe in this, I've seen God do amazing things. I'll tell you, I know I'm standing here. I'm not a special human being. Uh, There's nothing uh, super uh, amazing about me. I'm literally the most ordinary, vanilla, white guy you'll ever meet. But I've been filled with God. 
And I remember one day I was going into a Starbucks and, and, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't really care about anyone in that Starbucks, if I'm honest. I just told him this. And you know it's okay to be honest with God, right? You know that? And I told him, you know, sometimes we think, well, I should love the lost. And so we try to pretend and all this stuff. And then God can't get through. So I just said, God, I said, I don't love anyone in there. I said, but I know you do. Oh, I know you do. And I began to think about the cross and his love for people. And, and all, he, all he told me was he said, yes, I do. I really love them. And, and as I was thinking about his love for them, I walked in with a giant smile on my face into Starbucks. I was just doing this. And I was just thinking about his love. Everyone I looked at, I was like, wow. He, 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 like we were just having this communion, this moment. He's like, I love him. And I walked up to the lady that was going to take my order, and I was just smiling. And, and she kind of she looked at me, and she goes, wow. She goes, you got a lot of good vibes coming off of you. Good vibes. And I said, you know what that is? I said, that's the love of Jesus. I walked in, and she felt something. Something tangible touched her life. Why? Because God lives in here. Do you understand how easy evangelism is when we just let God live his life through us? Literally, when you look out, God looks out of your eyes and he, and he smiles through your face that the light of your face, it says, let your light shine that men may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We've made this too complicated. I don't care if you own an IT company or whatever you do, you can let your light shine. And when you understand this gospel, you'll see that, that to be in ministry or to be someone who has an impact in this world, you, this, you don't have to be here. In fact, a very tiny, small percentage of people are here. This isn't ministry. This, this is it. We're a gift. We're servants of the body of Christ so that you can do the ministry. We're not the special men of God, women of God. Yes, God has anointed us for a purpose, but he's anointed us so that you know that you're anointed to go make him known in the earth. Amen? And so as I told her, I said, it's the love of Jesus, and she just started crying right there in the Starbucks. And I was like, well, this is awkward. And it was amazing. And, and, and again, I was telling Scott and, and some of the guys, um, I, uh, I volunteer at a, a local high school in Dallas. Another, this is another testimony of this. And, uh, and I used to play soccer professionally, uh, and I played in Finland, and it was amazing. And uh, so now I, I'm trying to just connect with these high school kids. It's a very, it's a very poor area, and uh, I just want to build relationship and, and bring them to Jesus. Amen. And so I'm volunteering at this local high school, and I was at practice a couple of weeks ago, and one of the players, we were doing a drill, and one of the players had injured his knee, and he was, he was limping off the field. And, and I'm friends with the coach. I've built a relationship, but I haven't, we haven't gone there, right? I haven't been like, hey, we're going to go there. You know what I mean? We're just building relationships. So um, I, I believe the, the gospel's about loving with no strings attached, Amen. And so I, I'm there, and this kid begins to limp off, and I just very discreetly... I walk with him. I said, man, what's, what, what happened? He said, man, I hurt my knee. And he's, he's limping like this. Sorry, am I, am I doing the thing again where it's touching my cheek? Sorry about that. And uh, I said, where does it hurt? He goes, oh, it's right here. And so I just, I just knelt down and I, I put my hand on his knee. You know, the Bible says if you lay your hands on the sick, they'll recover. You know it doesn't mention a prayer? Isn't that funny? So I didn't say in Jesus' name, I didn't ask the keyboard to come and get the anointing to flow. I didn't do any of that. 
I didn't say a word. I just said, where does it hurt? He says, right there. I put my hand, and he's, he's kind of looking at me, and I just kind of pretend like I know what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> massaging his knee with just a touch. And I just go, how does it feel? Check it out. It feels better. And he goes on. And I said, wow, that's amazing. We've made this thing complicated. If God lives in this temple by the Holy Spirit, and he loves everybody, do you understand? You don't have to be the spiritual momentum in your life. By the grace of God, by faith in him, you can just let him live his life through you. You can let his power flow through your words and through your, your prayer. You don't have to twist his arm to get him to do something. He's made his will known through his son hanging on a cross. You question the will of God to touch you with healing? You question the will of God to bring your lost son or daughter home? You question the will of God for blessing in your life? He sent his son. Romans 8, if he gave us Christ, how will he not along with him freely give us all things? And it's only to the extent that we value the Son of God and Christ that we can receive things from Him. Are you with me? And so I, I have gone on a rabbit trail. I'm sorry about that. Matthew 26. I want to I bring us to this covenant table. And I want to show you that there's this progression uh, in the life of Christ. And I, and I believe we as the church, the body of Christ globally, I believe we're in between the covenant table and the cross. You see, the life and the ministry of Jesus culminated with his 12 friends around the covenant table. Amen? And it was this moment where he, it, it, I liken it to a proposal. It was like he was saying, guys, will you marry me? Will you marry me? That's what the covenant table is all about. It's the Godhead saying, will you marry me? Will you enter into covenant where I'm giving you my life fully Will you give me your life fully? And you see in Matthew 26, and, and Scott read it earlier, and so we, we won't read it, but he, he says, he goes, listen, he goes, I, I'm breaking this bread, and, and this is my body, eat of it, consume of my death. And this is my blood that's poured out, that's in the new covenant. This, this represents the new covenant, drink of it. And so in this moment, it, it's a beautiful, intimate moment. And, it, and for those of you who are in Christ, it's like that moment when you came to that altar, you prayed that prayer and you said, God, I do, I want to make you the Lord of my life. That's the covenant table and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And in that moment, uh, how many of you remember that moment, you actually believe anything's possible. Remember that moment? It was like, man, I'm going to take on the world. I'm going to see revival everywhere I go. You're like Peter. You're like, Lord, if I have to die with you, I'm going to die with you. And he's like, bless your heart, Peter. You're going to fall away. And it's okay because, because you haven't yet been filled with my great Holy Ghost. You haven't, I haven't died your death. And so you can't actually live my life until, until you understand, till I die your death. And I, I said this before, but, but guys, did you know we were way too screwed up for him to just fix us? He doesn't fix you. He's not trying to fix you. He's not trying to get you to do better. That's not the gospel. That's every other world religion. And, and I fear sometimes, even in the church and Christianity, we have made this a list of rules that we try to do. And the more that I do this, the better I must be before God. And if you've heard that, I want to tell you that that's not anywhere close to the gospel. The gospel is come and die with Christ. Come and die with him. Come and die with him. 
And when you die with him, when you allow your old life, all the stuff that you can't do, some of you, you're, you're stuck in bad relationships. You're, you're just stuck in this cycle and pattern of sin and destruction. Even as believers, and he's saying the remedy is not try harder, it's come and die. Just come and die. Because when you die, your old man gets buried and you come up, you're resurrected in newness of life. You become united with him in his life. This is Romans 6 speaks of our baptism, of our death with him. It says, if we've been united with him in a death like his, certainly we shall be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen? And that's my heart's desire, is that we see the body of Christ resurrected and walking and clothed in glory. But I fear somehow we have stopped. We, we've been at the covenant table, and we haven't known how to move on to the death of Christ and to really lay hold of his death. And the Bible in Matthew 27 illustrates this death or the heart of this death so, so simply. Matthew 27, verse 50. Time is short to, to tell of the crucifixion and all of this. But in verse 50, it says this. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. In a minute, I'm going to call I call many of you to this place of, of surrender. Because I believe that it's only in that place where we truly yield our spirits to the Lord, where we can experience that resurrection life and power. Because you can say around the covenant table, Lord, I will die for you. You can say that. You, you can say it like Peter. Lord, I'll die for you no matter what. Even if they all fall away, I won't fall away. You can make those promises. But until you enter in by faith into his death and allow him by grace to raise you up to newness of life, you cannot have a hundredfold consecration and obedience to the Lord. Because I, I actually believe that if you're in this room, you actually desire to walk in a hundredfold obedience. Amen? amen? If that's you, just say Amen. We want, we wake up. How many of you woke up this morning trying to miss the will of God? No one. You woke up this morning going, I want to be in the will of God, but I, I feel that in between this covenant table and, and the cross and the grave, there's this massive confusion that you see in the disciples, and I see it in the body of Christ. And I truly believe prophetically this is where the body of Christ is. And I feel like right now one of my roles is to usher you into the grave. Because I know that when, when someone in Christ is ushered into the grave, the Holy Spirit breathes. That Ruach Kadesh, the Spirit of God comes and begins to animate you just like it did Christ. And from that place of surrender and yieldedness so that you can say like Paul, Galatians 2.20, God, I have been crucified with you and I'm no longer living for myself or for my own pleasure. In this life that I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is your inheritance, Church. And this is your call in this hour. This, this is what India needs. India needs sons and daughters of God who are no longer living for themselves, but they're living by faith in the Son of God who loved them 
and gave himself up for them. And you can't do this of yourselves. You can't die on your own. God just says, will you receive my death by faith and will you just let my death have its work in you so that life will be manifest in your mortal bodies? I want to show you this in, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10. It's, this, this illustrates this perfectly. And this is where that power is. If you're wanting to know where is the power of God, where's the dominion, where, where is that? I want to see those testimonies in my workplace and wherever I'm at in my school. I want to go start revival in India. This is, this is it. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, I'll start there. Paul says, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power, say surpassing power. It belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested where? In our mortal flesh. And here, this verse 12 is the apostolic uh, prophecy of this church, of this generation. He says, so death is at work in us, but life in you. And if we want to see that power of God, if we want to see the resurrection power of God, we need sons and daughters who will say, God, let me be a vessel that your death can have its perfect work in me so that your life can be manifest in my mortal body so wherever I go, you go. This is so simple, guys. This is not hard. We become children of God through the gospel. But if we don't have understanding, this will not be established in our lives. It won't. But I believe that God's doing something uh, very amazing. I believe he's doing something special. And I believe this morning he has something for you. I believe he has a, a gift for you. I believe he has an anointing for you that will allow you to experience this, this death so that the life of God can flow through you. You know, part of me wishes that I had a more, uh, you know, uplifting message. Uh, but I, I feel that this is what the body of Christ needs all over the earth. Amen? And I want to just practically, we're going to, if the, the guys want to come up and, and just play for a second, but um, I'm going to call you to respond in a minute, but, but I want you to know, maybe help you understand what this death looks like. Just practically, because I believe that death is trying to have, the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, if, you made, if you've made covenant with God, I actually believe that death is trying to have its way in you so that you actually yield and give up and say, okay, God, I surrender. Here's the white flag. For me personally, many of you know, some of you know, I had a, a personal tragedy uh, a couple days ago. A death in, in the family of a, of a young, someone young in my family, a nephew, was born, stillborn. And, and in my flesh, you know, there, there's a mix of emotions and sadness and hurt and anger and all these things that are, that are real that you process in the moment, in real time. And it's real. It's, I, I, I'm just, this is real life. Call from my brother Friday night. Does this happen? And for me to stand here today on this platform and proclaim to you the gospel, there, there is a death that has taken place in me. It 
You understand that? That I, in my flesh, I, part of me just wants to feel sorry and go home and, and, and just to just go inward and say, you know what? This thing happened and, and I would have every permission and freedom. I don't feel obligated anything. But you know what? I made covenant. I made covenant with Jesus. I made covenant with him. And I recognize in these moments that there's opportunities There's a glory on the other side of the death. Do you understand? I believe that because I'm standing here by the grace of God saying, you know what? I choose death. I choose God to say no to that and to let your glory shine through me. I actually believe that the power of God's available to you. I believe actually there's the resurrection power. This morning, I believe it with all of my heart that if there's something dead in your life, there's something stillborn in your life, I'm telling you God will raise that thing up. I don't care what it is. I'm telling you, Lazarus is coming out. He's, he's, he's coming up out of that grave. And if that's you, if, if you've been in that place of, of just brokenness, despair, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, just broken everything, I'm telling you, God's power is here. His love is here. His affection's here. He loves you. Don't you ever doubt his love. Don't you ever let your circumstances cause you to question the nature and the character of God. The temptation in those moments when life around you, storms and circumstances happen, you know what they cause you to do? They tempt you to question the nature of God. They tempt you to question what God's really like. But in covenant, we become, we have eyes like doves and we're just fixed upon the Son of God hanging on the cross. There's no demon in hell, there's no circumstance, there's no anything that could ever convince me that my God in heaven doesn't love me and have good for me. And that same conviction, that same passion I believe he wants you to have today. I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet.